Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard and you're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. Beauties, welcome back. I'm recording this from my hotel room in Los Angeles. I had an epic night last night, a bit of like a very intense day. Let me give you like the background for what led up to where I am now. So I was in Scotland. I went to an incredible fairy tale wedding. I mean, just the most incredible over-the-top wedding I've ever been to in my life. The flowers, the details, the performance elements, the experiential food. It was in this gorgeous like castle, but it wasn't just the wedding night. Like they, there was a full like Victorian circus the night before, complete with like a carousel and performers. Now the bride, you guys may remember from my podcast, Esme Brown. You can go back to the archives of Naked Beauty and listen to my episode with Esme. I've also been like, you need to come back on the podcast to talk about what it's been like planning the most incredible wedding of all time. Now, I was in Scotland for the wedding. Then I flew to London to see Umut's family. So we spent like a day in London. Then I went from London back to JFK, literally like dropped off my bag, unpacked, repacked, got back to JFK, flew to LA, landed in LA. I slept for like four hours, woke up, then hit the stage to present for Black Creator Day. I was doing an Instagram Reels challenge. That was really fun. But then that night I had the Rode launch party. Now Rode is Hailey Bieber's skincare line, of course. And that was really fun. It was actually really, really amazing to see so many people in the skincare community. Like I got to meet Hiram. I got to meet Ron. He's from Beauty Stat. Um, Charlotte, of course. I always love connecting with Charlotte, which is why I wanted to rerun this episode for today because I'm like, I know a lot of people are new listeners and they may not have heard Charlotte's episode. And we also like go very in depth on sunscreen. And I think a lot of things that are very relevant. So I wanted to bring it back for this week. Um, but I got to meet Haley Bieber. She was actually very sweet, very nice. I feel like this line, I don't know. I've, I've used the products twice. I do love the lip treatment oil. It's like a very nice, thick, lip balm. And I like the salted caramel. I was not expecting to like the salted caramel, but I do like it. And then the the glaze, everyone's obsessed with the glaze. I think it has marula oil in it, which, you know, I love adding oils into things. So like I'm the girl that adds oil into an existing moisturizer versus like buying a moisturizer with oil in it, if that makes sense. Um, but the texture is very unique. I will give you guys updates as I use the product more. But what I love about it is it is price accessible, but the launch party was really fun. Like it was like one of these like very surreal LA nights, like Kendall and Kylie are like in one corner, like Lori Harvey's there. Like I was like, wow, like LA, what an event. It was funny. I was saying on my Instagram stories, I was like the most covered up person there. I wore like long pants, a little heel and like a long sleeve kind of like drapey top um, with a belt. And everyone was just like in like a crop top, halter top, uh, mini skirt. I was like, wow, I have on way too many clothes for an LA party, but I really did enjoy myself. But because of all of this just insane travel that I've had and the just the pace of life I've been living, I have not had a chance to edit my new episodes. So that being said, this is a rerun, but it's an amazing episode. Great to revisit because Charlotte has so much skincare knowledge. If you don't know her, I mean, I'm sure you guys know Dew Skin. I love Dew Skin. I love the eye patches. I love the Instant Angel Moisturizer. That's like the newest product that they've released. But I think she's just so knowledgeable and I just loved hearing about her journey. And I think you guys will too. So tune into that and I will be back with a new episode next week. Thank you. 
You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. And today's episode is brought to you by This Is L. This Is L is period care inspired by nature, 100% organic cotton tampons and pads, but without the high markup and price point. This is very accessible period care. You can find This Is L at thisisl.com. That is the letter L or wherever you are buying your period care items. I find them in CVS and Walgreens, and I really do find their products to be wonderful. So definitely check them out. This is L.com. Charlotte, welcome to Naked Beauty. I'm so excited to have you on. I am a longtime fan, and I just feel like you are the skincare educator of the internet. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So I adore podcasts, and you're on my always listen lists on Spotify. Oh, my God. That is such a huge compliment, especially because you like really know your stuff. And I feel like I like to think that the Naked Beauty listeners and community, like we really know like ingredient science, like we get it. But and we're going to get into this. I also love a good natural skincare moment. As you should. I know. We'll, 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 we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, but I also love your product, uh, Dew Skin. The eye patches are incredible. And the reason why I didn't use eye patches for the longest time is because they're just like so bad for the environment. But then when I saw this like reusable situation, I was like, this is incredible. We're really excited. It's out. And I just, it's like one of those things where it was a complete fluke how it happened. And now I couldn't think of a better way to launch our brand and kind of like what we really want to achieve, which is really kind of shaking up things and just changing how we do skincare. Absolutely. Well, before we get into all of the skincare conversation, I need to know, like, how did you get so interested and invested in beauty? I know you were an editor. You also, though, like me, I'm I'm full time in tech, but you you worked at Snapchat for a while as well. I did, and like for editor, it's like I say that because it's like the easiest way to contextualize it. But basically, I was like this hybrid at Hearst, where I was writing articles, I was helping launch partnerships with different platforms like Instagram and YouTube, and I was really kind of like this audience development hacker, where it's like how do you actually like grow and build audiences, and that led to me launching Cosmo Snapchat Discover, which now feels like decades ago, and so in launching that, I started having to write content, create content, do interviews, all this crazy stuff within that year that I was kind of like the editorial director of that platform. Then after that, I went over to Snapchat and I basically took what I learned at Cosmo to help build audiences at like the New York Times, Le Monde, Al Jazeera. Like I basically traveled the world just basically helping launch these publisher platforms. 
So that's why you're so good at social media, basically. Yeah. Oh, I had to learn. So basically for Cosmo, when I was at Hearst, like they just didn't hire enough people. So I literally had to learn After Effects like overnight. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was doing the After Effects and the writing. I didn't sleep. Like I was there until two in the morning every single day for months. I believe it. And it shows in how great your content is now. So for people that are listening and struggling with like having to do a lot of like small little jobs, it, it in the end, it pays off, especially when you work for yourself, right? To learn how to do everything. And you're at, you're at low at 140K followers on Instagram. Yeah, that was totally unexpected. And it really did happen because I started talking about skincare. Because before talking about skincare, I always talked a lot about politics. I talked a lot about cannabis and CBD because there are so many issues with how we're bringing that product to market, you know? And so I just, um, I used to talk about that. And then skincare is just something that is just like, I guess, far more universal. And it really started picking up. But for me, I love myth busting and I love marketing and I love talking about storytelling. And the reality is, is that in the US, marketing is very largely unchecked and it's like pretty wild what brands can get away with. So that's where I what I love talking about about. Yes. Okay. Well, you and I have that in common. Where did you grow up? Were you always interested in beauty and skincare? So I was born in Boston. Um, and then I moved to France um, when I was very little. So my grandmother raised me for a bit and then I came back and then I was in New Hampshire and Rhode Island. So I've always kind of lived like East Coast before I moved to Canada for school. So people ask me where I'm from. Like I'm really cautious to say anything because then they'll always ask me like some obscure question about that state that you should know, right? Like it's like a common thing. And I'm like, I don't know. Um, Cause I lived there for five years as a child, <laughs> but Basically, the way that I got into skincare, I mean, it's always been kind of part of your routine. Like, um, I think that people talk a lot about French skincare. French skincare is very simple, it's very straightforward. And also it's about habits, right? Like for a country that smokes a lot, I know that's a that's a loaded, that's a loaded thing to say, but you, they all know smoking's terrible for your skin. But I had my grandmother throw Nivea cold cream at me when I was like nine because she saw that my skin was flaking. And it's like, that's the thing. It's like your genes has a huge impact on your skin. And for me, I have genetically dry skin, but I've been compensating for that for a very long time. So I just know how to deal with it. I'm a dry skin girl as well. But it's interesting. My mom actually does not have dry skin. She's like more on the oilier side. So I don't know where I got my dry skin from. But I, I feel like dry skin isn't so bad. It's not so bad. It's much easier to do. It's, it's frustrating because it's super uncomfortable when you don't know how to deal with it. And when you have dry skin, you tend to be more sensitive. And so I actually just finished esthetician school. So while Joyce DeLimos, our co-founder, she's kind of like the base of my education. She's like an expert formulator. I did go to esthetician school because what I, what I realized in creating a brand is like, you really need to understand the histology of skin to even start... Wait, wait, sorry. I have to stop you. What is histology? Oh, basically like how the skin works. And basically when you're creating a skincare product, if you're not doing a drug, if you're working in the cosmetic space, which is every other brand and what every marketing category falls onto is just cosmetic. Um, you're working within the epidermis, which is the uppermost layer of the skin. And so for me, I just found myself being like, Hey Joyce, can we look at this? Hey Joyce, can we look at that? And she was just like, Charlotte, these are not things. And like, at the end of the day, I just found that I was just wasting time chasing trends that sounded great in marketing and the story. And that's when I realized like, I need to understand the skin better if I'm going to be like somebody that can actually kind of like break through a lot of this. So that's what, that's one of the main reasons I went to esthetician school, but now I love touching people's faces. So hopefully I get to be an actual esthetician one day. <laughs> that's amazing. You know what? The beauty industry is so good at marketing and it's like, 
They know the right adjectives to use. They know to put like to, to promise you dewiness and radiance and all of those things. And, and the clean beauty industry is probably the best at marketing. So I want to start with the fact that you call yourself a reformed clean beauty buyer. Now I consider myself some like, well, I guess I don't know what 99% of the products that you have access to are like clean, right? Like you're not going to find something like, Oh, that's the thing. There are so many brands. Like it just, it makes me laugh because all these bills that are like thrown around by the EWG, look at the first people to sign on. It's Estee Lauder and L'Oreal and all these brands. Cause they're not using the ingredients anyways. Like nobody is. So it's like technically, but like, it's just like now brands are just calling themselves clean. And I just, I find the idea of like impure, it's just like in dirty, dirty brands. I'm like, guys, Consumables isn't dirty. Like what the hell are you guys talking? Like, what are you talking about? It's just so negative. And like, I think that it's just, it's brilliant marketing, right? Because fear and creating an enemy and creating something that you can rally against and a community around that. And what's scarier than like poisoning yourself and your children? It's a brilliant marketing tactic. It doesn't mean anything, but I use a lot of clean brands. Like I use them all the time. Like I think there are some amazing clean brands. Like it's just, I find their marketing just annoying and sometimes despicable depending on how far they go. Absolutely. And, and, you know, one of, I've shared this with my audience, but for the longest time I refused to use retinol because I was like, it's so like chemical. And then I use retinol and like my skin was like, thank you. This is great. I'm thriving. And I haven't been using retinol recently because I've been breastfeeding, but as soon as I finish, I will be back on retinol. So I think I did over pivoted and I was like, I have to use everything clean. That being said, I do think that using some like single natural ingredients like jojoba oil or doing a yogurt fat face mask are like beautiful and like super effective and great to do. So I always like And I think it's also like access. Like I always say it's like if you want like a rose hip oil, because I'm a big fan of rose hip, it's just it's something that just really works for my skin. If you have drier skin, I don't know how effect how because thing is with, with plant oils, particularly nut oils, you have to be very careful when you have more acneic prone skin. Oily skin can get away with more, but if you're really prone to breakouts, you got to be a little bit careful with the oils that you're piling on. And also it's like do you need I use so much oil because I like a glow, but right now I'm actually using um, the lip bars, um, skin glow. And it's like, it's a hoba. It's fantastic. But yeah, you can just go to a whole foods aisle. But for me, when I was um, in my twenties, I gave myself perioral dermatitis and rosacea because of the clean products that I was using. And I convinced myself because all the blogs were telling me this, all the forums were telling me this on Facebook et cetera, that I went to that my, and I really, I really, I'm sorry. I swear a lot. I really fucked up my skin and I went to a dermatologist and they were like, uh, no, you need to just stop everything because you're having an allergic reaction. And then when I got peril dermatized, I was actually at a friend's house and Can- I was living in Canada at the time. So I would have never been able to have afforded a dermatologist if I lived in the U S because I was just out of school. Like, you know, I had no money. And so my friend's mom, who was a dermatologist, looked at me and she just pulled me aside. She's like, that looks so uncomfortable. And she just wrote me like a script for, for perioral dermatitis because she oh felt bad. Because I had this like massive patch here and I had no idea what it was. And I was like using these creams that had lavender in it. And I'm, I'm lavender is not my friend at all. And it was just... At the end of the day, it's like a lot of these brands, at least their origins, they take advantage of customers who don't know any better. And I was a customer who didn't know any better and I trusted brands and I just fell for it. And I think that's what bothers me is that very predatory nature while they're telling you that they're looking out for you. It's very double-sided. Whereas, you know, for me, like, like a honey mask, fantastic. Go do that. It's also accessible for some people, right? Like some people just have yogurt lying around. Not everyone's going to be buying a mask. 
Oh, a hundred percent. So I do, I would say if you want it for the lactic acid, buttermilk is technically a higher lactic acid. Oh, buttermilk. Okay. I haven't tried the buttermilk. Yogurt's around 0.9%, whereas um, whereas lactic acid and buttermilk is between two and 4%, which is actually like, that's pretty exfoliating. Wow. So you heard it here, buttermilk. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Okay. I love that. I will have to try that. I want to go back to, per, per, I always have trouble saying this, perioral oh, <laughs> dermatitis, which is like these little bumps around your mouth. And it's like one of the most stubborn skin conditions. And a lot of people ask like how to treat it. And I've even been asked like, how do I treat this naturally at home? And I'm like, I don't know. Is it something that you feel like you just need a prescription for? Yeah. So I would definitely say go to a dermatologist. And if you are, I completely understand why people are hesitant to take antibiotics because you know, it's, it's, it messes with your, it messes with your stomach. Like I recently have, I've, I've been having stomach issues and it's just because I found out I was allergic to garlic, which is a nightmare, but I, I, I was put on all these crazy rounds. And like the doctor did say at the beginning, like you should try an elimination diet because that's actually going to be the best for you. And I was like, no, I will not be doing that. Like give me everything else before we have to go there. And then it turned out the elimination diet. So props to that doctor. But ultimately what, with perioral dermatitis, you absolutely need to go to a dermatologist. For me, sulfur worked very well. Um, it's, a, it's a prescription called a VAR-E, but it doesn't work for everybody. I was lucky and that's technically a natural, right? It's like sulfur. It's, it's not because it's like they have all this other shit in it, but it's based off of a natural compound, but also doing nothing, which is the hardest thing to do because perioral dermatitis, it will, at least for me, if I put any cream, any serum, anything over it, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I feel like it just like thrives off of you doing more. So you have to do nothing. But when you have this fucking rash on your face, all you want to do is get rid of it. And there's, you just, you just shouldn't touch it. And even worse, what people want to put makeup over it to cover it up, which is probably makes it so angry. I'm like, wear a hat and literally wear a face mask and call it a day and just social distance from yourself, your mirrors, from your phone, because you just need a minute. Absolutely. Let's talk about slugging. I feel like you have brought the practice of putting Vaseline all over your face into mainstream skincare conversation in a way that I can't think of a trend recently that's been as powerful. So, so tell me about slugging, why you do it, and like how you thought to start like kind of preaching its benefits. So the first thing is it's very dramatic, right? Where it's like, everyone's like petroleum. And it's like, girl, no one is telling you to go to Exxon to do your skincare routine. There is an enormous difference between petroleum and petrolatum, which there's no like Vaseline industrial complex. Nobody's drilling for Vaseline. It's literally for oil that goes into machines and to cars. And this is a byproduct. It would be wasteful to throw it out. I completely agree that we need to absolutely move away from fuel as a sustaining source. I think it's, it is horrible for the environment. It fucks over communities, like all those things. Yes, absolutely. But you are throwing out a byproduct. And I didn't know if you knew this, but, uh, those, those like machines that are planting all of those industrial crops, because most skincare is not made with small, like, you know, farm to table crops. It's with large industrial crops. They require oil. So I think that it was that first piece where it's like everything is just way more nuanced than a lot of brands want you to understand. And I don't know if that's a byproduct of them not wanting you to understand or them not wanting to educate because it's really hard to educate people because these are very emotional and scary times. And it's much easier to say we're petroleum free, even though every skincare brand in the US is petroleum free. 
every skincare brand. It's a meaningless claim. Petrolatum, the byproduct, triple refined, and it's actually monitored by um, if you if you have over a certain percentage, then that's actually when you get into the drug claim space where you actually have to submit it to the FDA to register your marketing claims. So there's just levels there. And so there was that piece, but then there was also just somebody with very dry skin. And I was getting these crazy rashes from my, from my mask. And I thought it was masking, right? So my first instinct was exfoliate it. Terrible instinct. Really what I needed was a, it was chafing my skin off. So with mask knee, some of it's obviously like, yes, bacteria, it's proliferating oil, it's proliferating, but for people with the drier skin, that actually, all I needed was a bit of Vaseline. And it literally, this, these, these like um, cysts almost would disappear um, overnight. And I was like, okay. So um, I did an explainer with a dermatologist and we did an explainer on the most misunderstood ingredient in skincare. And it's been incredibly well studied. It's been shown to be as effective as ceramides, right? And barrier repair. And it's just like a very misunderstood ingredient. And it's also super accessible. Like when we want to talk about access to, to skincare ingredients, like Vaseline is, is incredibly accessible. So to keep that from somebody because you don't like the word, right? Because it sounds too much like petroleum is, is ludicrous in, in, in my mind. And don't shame people for what, for what they do. And it's an incredible skin protectant. So for me, I just like using a tiny, tiny bit, a couple nights a week. And it could be aquaphor, could be like, um, if you're, if you want something that's not animal tested, which we could get into the claims of animal testing, but that's, that's another story for another day. Um, chemist confessions, fantastic small brand. Absolutely love them. Um, they have something called Bomb Voyage and it's like a nice blend. It's almost like the CeraVe healing ointment where it has like 40% petrolatum and then it has like ceramides and glycerin and it just has like a nice finish. It's just a great, it's just a great product and it's a great ingredient. You shouldn't be scared of it, but you can also use shea butter, right? Like there's like so many, there's like so many, if you don't want to, there's so many options, but don't shit on people just because they want to use Vaseline. Let people... Oh, and and by the way, people have come on this podcast. I'm just thinking of an amazing singer named Kirby. She came on this podcast and she said she uses Vaseline on her skin every night and she wakes up glowing. Like, and also older people, like if you ask older people, they'll say they put, you know, Vaseline on their skin and it looks good. So after your full skincare routine, you do the Vaseline last. Depends on what I'm doing, right? Like I wouldn't do it on a retinol night. But the thing is, as you get older, your skin becomes drier. So for people like you and I, we already came into this to this chat with dry skin. So it just becomes increasingly dry, right? And then with sun damage and everything else that's happening, we pollution, right? Like New York, just a tiny bit of pollution. All these things kind of dry out and damage the skin. So for me, just putting that on at night, basically it's it's about 99% occlusive, right? And how occlusive is like how much you're using, right? Because they're not doing these tests, like you're not taking a scoopful, right? So it's really just, um, it basically allows your skin to replenish itself while also um, trapping any hydration that you have underneath. And that's a big thing for me is making sure my skin's not dehydrated and dry. So I'll even put like an oil underneath it. And so anybody with like acne prone or oily skin is like, what on earth is she doing? And I'm like, nah, it's for me and like the old ladies. And like, we're going to have juicy skin till the day we die. Yes. I love that. I love that. And your skin is always like glowing and dewy. So we, we all trust your skincare advice. Okay. Should we get into a little bit of myth busting? I have a whole list here. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So the first myth and this is one that I talk to I talk to my mother and my husband about all the time. So a lot of people think like good skin is good skin. And people say to me even like, if you just used a bar of soap and never did any skincare, your skin would be fine. My husband says, 
I spoil my skin. That's actually the words that he uses. He says, you're spoiling your skin because I don't do all this crap. My skin doesn't need it. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Now, the reason why I'm asking you about this is because you did an experiment with your partner where you did skincare on him for like two weeks, I think. And the results spoke for themselves. His skin looked amazing. I don't mean to disparage men. I love men. I date a man, but... (laughs) When we're starting to get a little bit older, whose skin is is glowier? And the like, it's just, you know what I'm saying? Like I, not to disparage George Clooney, but he's 59 and could use some of Pharrell's skincare. Like he should send him a mailer. I definitely think, and just to be clear, genes have a massive impact on your skin. But if I did nothing to my skin, which I've had to do peritoneal dermatitis, right? Two months, my skin becomes really fucking dry. It's not glowy like this. And it gets a little cracked. It gets a little flaky, right? Is it this like implosion of my face? No, of course not, right? Like I think a lot of people would still say, oh, she has beautiful radiant skin. But for me, it's very uncomfortable and it's flaky. And then over time, I may not like what that what that end result is, right? Like we are still very young. I'm 34, I'm baby. But for me, it's like what I'm doing now is just as much for like when I'm 50 or 60 as it is for right in the moment. And it's also for skin comfort. And also I think that unfairly, the standard of beauty for, for women is far more stringent and rigorous Men, get on board. I don't know. Uh, but I did this experiment on Matt Migs. And like, I'm not going to lie. Like, he's got a whole routine now. And he's not stopped. And, like, you know, he's also an actor. So I think that he is like a little bit like, oh, my God. Like, never let him listen to it. But like, he does care about what his skin looks like, even though he wanted it. And it's like, this guy's doing the do forever. I mask every night. He's out here doing our daily devotion challenge. He's like, he does red light therapy now. He's really into like tech and gadgets. Oh, he's into the new face? Yes. Well, no, he's doing... Um, we're, we're testing out this current body thing. And he's like, I love this. It's so easy. It's tech. And I'm like, yes, tech. But he wears sunscreen every single day. And he does an exfoliator one to two times a week. And it's like that exfoliator, um, he started doing it too much. Didn't work out for him. But I was like, just pair it back. And he's like, oh, this is great. And I'm like, exactly. Just Yes. Exfoliator should not be two times a day. I don't know who came up with that. Yeah, that's wild. You know, what? what do you think it is about skincare lovers where we just want our partners to partake like and and here's the thing sometimes i know my husband's going to be lazy so i like have to do it for him at night like i'm like let me just do your nighttime routine i mean i i've never related to a statement more because i know that when megs is like can i use the eye mask it's like can you put the eye mask on me and i'm like i'm tired <laughs> i've been working all day I haven't even done my skincare routine. You want me to do yours? But what's what's interesting is that I think it's like if you just find... I think for me, I love doing skincare. I love rubbing my face. I love the fact that I'm not attached to my phone, even though I know that's like a misnomer because half the time I'm recording myself. But it's like I'm not on my email. I'm not really being bothered. And there's also a lot of stuff that I don't film and that I do just because I like doing a lot of facial massage and things like that. And I think for me, it's just like it is like I I get really cautious about using the word self-care and skincare because it's almost like you need to buy something in order to take care of yourself. And that's obviously not true. But it is a moment that I truly enjoy. And I love when you get visible results, right? Like all of that's great. And I like looking cute. Like it's just a, a vain reality of living in the patriarchy. I, I like I like doing it. And so I think that there's that piece. And then I think for, for Migs, it's like just by seeing how happy he was with the results, it's like this kind of product and routine doesn't have to be complicated. It could be two steps, three steps. 
to see like how happy he was. He's like, Oh my God, this works. Like I, I like recognize myself more in the mirror almost. It's like that I think is something that anybody can enjoy. And it's like, you just want to impart that to other people. Yes. And the takeaway is that skincare works. I feel like I see these memes that are like me doing my 10 step routine and then like my boyfriend just using a bar of soap. And it's like, no, like skincare, it's not like this frivolous thing that doesn't pay off. Look, it's like no one looks like the worst, right? It's like if Megs didn't do any skincare, he's still a beautiful man. Like the bone structure is the bone structure. It just <laughs> is what it is. Right. It's like, did it look better? Eh, well, you go watch the video. Yes, yes. It did. I was nodding. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great video. Okay, myth number two. There are no truly great quality skincare products at the drugstore. That's not true. There are so many great quality products at the drugstore. Okay, tell us. Because I think I see a lot of like sentiment being like, you guys need to, you know, graduate from, you know, doing your skincare shopping at CVS, which is, I think, very judgmental and classist. Um, and yeah, it's weird, but also it's just like, it's just categorically and truly, like, you can find some expensive shit at the drugstore now. Like, what, like, it's kind of nuts. Like, I went recently and I was like, La Roche Posée, what are you, <laughs> what is it, skinceuticals? So, what I would say is that that's, that's, patently untrue. Well, also there's prescriptions at the drugstore, so that's the good shit. But you can absolutely build an incredible routine. I mean, Cetaphil saved my skin. I know Cetaphil isn't, you know, chic, but when I had perioral dermatitis, that was the jam for me. It's what was in Canada too. It was what I had. It was, it was available. It wasn't like fancy and it wasn't exciting, but it definitely didn't irritate my skin and it didn't dry it out further. You know, I think a lot of people say it's super drying, but I'm like, how are you using it? Because I've never really had issues with it. I'm like, okay, just because it has like surfactants, like SLSs doesn't mean that it's necessarily drying, but that's another conversation. Huge fan of La Roche-Posay. Just like, I think it's just such an elegant line. I, it's an active skincare line, right? So that's what L'Oreal's division is called. So it li- it actually sits and lives with SkinCeuticals. So very, not, not super dissimilar testing sometimes goes into some of these formulations or they actually share certain R&D, right? So not, not totally proven, but I've had a couple of employees from L'Oreal tell me this in the past that they're, they're, they're family members. Obviously, CeraVe is a fantastic one. You know, I've seen first aid beauty at drugstores. I mean, Neutrogena is perfectly great, like Hydro Boost. I think that it really depends on what you're looking for, right? Like when somebody's like, I want a really effective retinol, can I use Olay's retinol? And I'm like, okay, it's in a cream, number one. So it's going to be dampened. It's not going to be as effective. So if you have a retinol that you can't use, this is for the audience pro tip. If you have a retinol that's irritating your skin, put it over a moisturizer. It's going to make it more gentle. How do you make things more gentle? You make them less effective, right? So just like <laughs> pretty straightforward. So that's like when they say these gentle retinols are just less effective retinols. So if you're asking me for an effective retinol, my favorite retinol is probably going to be SkinCeuticals, but it's also not that expensive. It's like 60 bucks for a tube that's going to last you six months, right? Because that's how little you need to be using it. It's encapsulated, it's nitrogen filled, et cetera. But is the retinol from La Roche-Posay great? The, the CeraVe one? CeraVe one's pretty good too. It just depends on really what you're looking for. And like, I get very like pedantic about like the semantics because it's like, it's going to kind of dictate. And again, it's the nuance. So you like the SkinCeuticals retinol, but would you say that that's as good as a retinol your dermatologist prescribes to you? No, no way. I will say that it is, it is, I mean, I, I want to see a clinical comparing the two because to be honest, that SkinCeuticals one gave me like pretty insane results compared to my 0.025% tread. And so with 
a lot of retinol. People don't realize that retinol is as unstable as vitamin C, right? Everyone talks about vitamin C and stability, stability, stability. That retinol in a clear dropper bottle, throw it out. Like it doesn't do anything. Like it's just, it's dead. It's dead on arrival. And so with SkinCeuticals, um, just because I know somebody that, that worked on that side, it is nitrogen filled. Nitrogen fill on a tube is when it actually like basically makes sure that there's no oxygen in there. It's an aluminum tube, but then the retinol itself is encapsulated. So when you get to those kinds of layers, that shit is just active. Whereas a lot of other ones, like the, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the ordinary retinols is because people are like, it's so gentle. And I'm like, yeah, but 1% retinol is not gentle. That's gentle because it's not active, most likely. I mean, I would like, it to, I would like to see a stability test. But again, it's also vis-a-vis the price, right? Like, are you really expecting, you know, this incredible, like it's six bucks. Like I would prefer the CeraVe one just because I know the kind of vetting that goes into L'Oreal products. And if I had to choose between two, CeraVe. Totally. So what do you think about, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right, Bukuchoil? Is that how you Bucu- Yeah, Bukuchi oil. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Bucu- so we could, both, we could both be we totally both wrong. mangle this word. But people say it's a clean retinol. And I want to know how you feel about that. Okay. I'm going to say something very controversial, but look up a fetal study of mice with Bukuchi oil. Okay. It caused fetal toxicity. Whoa. In high doses. Like it's in doses you would never see in humans, right? So it's not even worth bringing up because it's so misleading for me to even say that thing. And that's why I'm like controversial. It is misleading for me to say that Bakuchi oil is unsafe. But if the tables were turned and if this was a study on retinol, you know that clean beauty brands would have sunk their teeth into it and just just shared it everywhere. And I think that that's kind of like where it's like scientists are at a disadvantage because they're not going to like lie to you. So for me, Bakuchi oil is it clean? I don't know what's clean. It first off, Bakuchi oil, it's wild foraged. There's no known, this might've changed. This has been since 2020, but you can't farm it or nobody's been farming it, right? So it's wild foraged. So it's been shown to be detrimental to the environment, right? Oh, wait, sorry. Can we pause there on wild foraging? Because I feel like a lot of beauty brands share that as like a plus. Like they'll be like, These <laughs> there's no hot. other way to farm it. There's no other way to farm Bakuchi oil. So it better be fucking wild farmed. Otherwise, what is it? So it's like, there's been a lot of stories from, um, or a lot of reports from Pakistan about how damaging it's been to the, to the environment and, and from, from India as well. And so again, these haven't been updated. So I don't know if it's better now, but I think this idea with clean, it's like, it's such a loaded term because you're just saying like, our sourcing is the best. Like you would assume that the sourcing is the best. That's not necessarily true. And you also don't want to make it so on the opposite direction where people who would forage it for my, like for their local economies don't get decimated either because we move away from the ingredient, right? So there's balance. But I think my real issue is also um, with the actual research on Bakuchi oil. It is one study. It is not a very well-conducted study and it's not showing equivalency with retinol. So no, it's not an, it's not a retinol alternative. It, it, and also there's the whole thing, like if it's in a clear dropper bottle, do we know the stability on it? It's like, there's just so many layers to like how we're talking about these things that for me, Whenever I hear like a clean plant alternative of retinol, I'm like, retinol is vitamin A, guys. It's vitamin A. Right. And also for me, for ingredients that are super, super effective, do we need plants? Do we need to be farming? Do we need to be taking up that space? So it's like a, like for vitamin C, like no one needs a lemon grow for that. It's ascorbic is just fine. Yes. And I think you and I are using the same vitamin C now, the beauty stat vitamin C, which it's a little intense. I like it. I can see results, but it is a little stingy. For like the first time I used it, it was like a lot. 
Yeah, it's definitely. And I think that that's again, where it's like, these are active. And so L'Oreal, um, I think it's related. I can't remember. It's like the L'Oreal, like with the red logo bar, but they have a vitamin C and on the packaging, it says nitrogen filled and encapsulated. I'm like, these guys took the same tech from SkinCeuticals. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean. We're in the L'Oreal family. You just see how they just kind of share um, the stuff, but basically it's a 10% vitamin C. And that's it. I recommended to some people on TikTok and they're like, it burned. And uh, they were like, we were using this like ordinary version before. And I was like, I think it's just active and you need to probably slow it down and also stop with exfoliating your face when you're using these ingredients or just stagger it out. Like don't use everything at once. But yeah, no, the beauty stat is like, that is, that's what 20% feels like. Yes. Yes. Well, okay. We're going to, let's just actually just jump into it. Exfoliation. So myth, I should be exfoliating my face morning and night or every day myth. Okay. If you have like a, like a medical condition where your dermatologist is like peel off a layer of your face every day. Sure. Whatever. Go talk to your derm. I'm not a derm. So I'm not going to speak to that. But even from esthetician school, we had to like stagger out what we could actually get as treatments because they're like, you cannot do an exfoliation treatment even every other day. Like when you're working with these patients. And so these clients. And it's like, I think that it also depends on the strength, right? If you're dealing with like a 2% lactic acid, you could probably use it every day. Well, lactic acid at 2% technically is a humectant. It's like more of a humectant and a pH adjuster. 5% is when you start to get into exfoliation benefits. But you see what I'm saying? Like if it's a very low, like glycolic acid even, right? Like glycolic acid is actually lurking in a lot of formulas. And so you, your serum might actually be an exfoliating serum, but they're like what brands tend to do is they'll put like glycolic acid at 5%, but then they'll be like this hero plant-based retinol, but it's actually like the glycolic acid in the formula. It's actually giving you the results. It's very, it's very smart and tricky, but anyways, all of that to say, some people do need to be exfoliating um, a little bit more, right? Like if you have more oily prone skin, or if you have more acneic skin that isn't super sensitive, then you can handle more exfoliation. And when we're talking about acne, part of it's also like abnormal skin shedding, right? So it's like, you're getting dead skin cells and debris that's actually getting plugged in the pore. That's different than if you're going to be talking about somebody with like dry skin. And it also changes the kinds of acids that you're going to be using. But even somebody like Migs, who has very oily skin, he gets breakouts every once in a while. He's probably looking at one to two times a week. Wow. I do it once a month. And physical or chemical exfoliation? So I like chemical exfoliation just because it's more even, right? Like think about it. Like if you're going to be like, you know, like buffing a table, Ranella kind of gave us this, uh, Ranella MD, you know, Dr. Ranella, she's a dermatologist on Instagram that I do a lot of collaborations with, but you know, when you're talking about like polishing something, like think about it, like it's uneven, right? That grit isn't going to be super even. Whereas like, you know, if you're putting a chemical that's just eating away at the dead skin cells, it's going to be far more even. But again, you know, if you want to do a sugar scrub on your body, like go for it. And I love Hanahana Beauty. I'm obsessed with their shea. I have, I actually have it like pretty close by um, their shea butter, like exfoliating scrub. Oh, that bar. bar. Yeah. That's amazing. Love it. Keratosis Polaris, like a little that, a little bit of amlactin and like your, is that the name of the brand? It's like the, I have it in my bathroom, but it's basically like a light lactic acid, right? Like that's how I, you know, deal with it. And so it's like, I think it just like, it completely depends. Your body is much more equipped to deal with like scrubs and polishes. I would be a little bit careful with the face, especially if you have sensitive skin or dry skin, because dry skin tends to lean on sensitive because you have impaired barrier function because you don't have enough oil, right? Oil is a protectant. Yes. 
Okay, these next two myths that I have up, I think we've covered them. One of them is that like all chemicals in skincare are bad. And then the other one is that natural and DIY products don't really work. So we kind of covered those already, but is there anything else you want to say about the like villainization of chemical ingredients or... I also though feel like I have to speak up for my my natural beauty girls because I do feel like DIY beauty is getting trashed right now and I don't feel like it's totally fair. I don't think that it's fair to trash DIY beauty because also there's like if you're going to talk about, you know, beauty being part of self-care, it's like, you know, if you're like grandmother or your mother is telling you to like, you know, or taught you how to do like this like mask and you loved that experience, like part of beauty is also the experience. Like it's not always going to be about pure efficacy, but also like people talk about honey masks, like honey is the humectant that's found in skincare products. Like these things work. I think that it's more for me where I'm like, Oh God, is like when I see like the baking soda, which by the way, not found in nature, nobody is, there's no baking soda tree. Right. It's like, I love it. they like natural holistic remedies. And then they're like, all right, throw some baking soda with some lemon. And I'm like, Oh my God. <laughs> Please stop. Even lemons, right? Just because like, well, I mean, lemons aren't going to hurt everyone, right? But like for me, it's like, would it, would it be something that I put on the internet and, and stand by and recommend? Probably not. Also just because um, there's an ingredient in citrus oils that is, is quite phototoxic. So you can actually get yourself blisters and burns pretty easily. Yes. So that there's natural things where I'm like, be, be very careful. But it's like, if you want to do like a fun mask or like fun at home DIY remedy, like absolutely go for it. But I would definitely just trend on gentle ingredients, right? Like avocados aren't going to hurt you unless you're allergic to avocados, in which case they will hurt you. But I think for me, I think that there's one misconception that people have when they, when they listen to me, it's that they think that I don't think there needs to be regulation in skincare. No, I think there absolutely needs to be regulation in skincare. I just think that the companies that are creating the products probably shouldn't be the people creating their own rules because self-regulation doesn't work. And this idea that we have these unbiased parties, no, they're all lobbyist organizations. I don't want L'Oreal coming up with the rules. I don't want the EWG coming up with the rules. I want doctors, scientists, toxicologists, And also it's like, if we're going to be talking about farming, like I really like to make sure that like sourcing and labor practices are up to, up to speed and up to check. That's what I'm actually looking for. And also I want some reining in on the marketing claims um, because I think they're out of control because ultimately we do have regulations in the skincare industry. The problem is that the enforcement is pretty shoddy as everybody could tell with the Purita scandal, right? Like these are, this is a product that was sold. This was sold at like Walmart. Back up a little bit and just explain the scandal because... Oh, I, I, I like this niche skincare scandal. People were becoming undone because... Watergate. Also, <laughs> also, Charlotte, I have to tell you how many women came on this podcast and told me that that was one of their favorite sunscreens. So just quickly... Of course it was. Give an update on, of course, on what the scandal was. So, okay. So with... Purito, it is a K-beauty brand. So I think it's really important, especially with kind of like everything that's going on with like hate within the AAPI community. It's really important to know this is not applicable to all Asian sunscreens by any which, which way or form, because also skincare owes a debt to Asian skincare. Like in the US, it wouldn't exist or be as good as it is. And it's so important to kind of like recognize that, acknowledge it, give due. But with Purito in general, um, their manufacturer now Coast actually did get warning letters from the FDA to kind of like cease and desist their operations in 2018. And so this is what I'm talking about with like media and like journalism and reporting. Instead of giving all the oxygen to like these clean brands, can we actually get like reporting on like what's happening with the FDA and putting more of like a fire under them? Because actually the FDA did warn Purito's factory in 2018. Nobody knew about it. It didn't come until after the fact. 
So basically what happens is that with sunscreen, you go through testing to get your monograph, right? So to have your SPF claims. So Purito, they did testing with this facility. Apparently it was not up to par in an independent report. I believe it was Inky Decoder. They tested the Purito sunscreen, which was claiming like an SPF 84. And it was something ludicrous, like 18 or 19 or something like that they found. And it was the European SPF test, which is an updated test. I don't want to butcher the name, but it's like ISO. And then it's like a string of numbers, like maybe it's like 2444. Anyways, so all that to say, Purito, their SPF 84, far superior sunscreen with these filters that are not approved yet in the the US. It basically got revealed that they were not SPF 84. There was a whole fallout. So people thought they were putting on really high SPF and really they were wearing like SPF 18. So the, the, the problem with SPF testing is that it's so variable and it's why people tell you to slack it on because you're doing it two milligrams per centimeter. And because humans are imperfect, we're beautifully imperfect beings. I do the two finger rule for just my face. Um, and then I do more for my neck just because I know I'm not applying enough. And also like you see this Pantone, it's like, I need all the protection I can get. <laughs> so basically though, with the Purito, it's like, it, it just was far below what they were saying. Like at best, it, I think one testing lab, cause then everybody started testing it. I think one test came out at like 28 as the SPF. But again, like if you're SPF 28 in the US, you're actually SPF 25. You can't round up, right? Like the SPF testing in the US, but it was being sold at Walmart. I saw it on a Walmart website, you know? So it's like, it was the, all the onus is on the consumer to be like this investigative journalist. And ultimately it's just the enforcement in the US is pretty shoddy for a lot of things. Yeah. Well, now we've jumped into sunscreen. So I feel like we have to discuss Gwyneth Paltrow's uh, skincare routine. Oh my God. Which you broke down and responded to. Um, she put on very little sunscreen, but also, are you are you okay to talk about the reach out that happened afterwards? Yeah. So basically, um, well, that wasn't actually to me; that was to somebody else. But I, I get I get all the tea. But basically, I think my biggest issue with that was that she just told people to be to exfoliate with a polish. And I heard the scraping of the polish on her dry skin. And I was like, oh my God, like this is actually hurting me because that is so aggressive for your skin. But anyways, she was telling everyone to become an exfoliation junkie and then don't wear a lot of a lot of SPF. So dangerous. And I think it was that combo that really got me. And then talking about the chemicals and all of that and just like toxic chemical, not just like, just stop. Like you can't have pre-rolls of Botox ads and then start talking about toxins. Like it's just like, it's absolutely... So I think that, you know, a lot of people are now saying that it was like a PR stunt. And for me, I really think that's just what she does for her skincare routine. And she probably just didn't like think it was that big of a deal. But yeah, don't use sunscreen as a highlighter. Just slather it all over your face. Like look at Martha Stewart. She has two sunscreens, one for inside and one for outside. Yeah. So that that was actually one of my last myths on this list that sunscreen's only for outside. You're a big fan of sunscreen inside as well, right? Well, I think it's because like, okay, pandemic is like another level, right? Like sometimes like I am in a cave and if you're in a cave, you don't need sunscreen, right? Like you're in four enclosed walls. Good luck. That's not good for you, but good luck. That's you're fine. Like I have some people that work in like grocery stores that like message me panicked and like, I work in a grocery store. I'm like, you're probably fine. Like, don't worry about it, girl. <laughs> like, you know, thanks for working during this fucking pandemic, making sure that we're fed. But for me, I work in direct light. 
I have a window that I'm looking at. It's nighttime, so you can't see, but I have direct sunlight. I will go outside, right? To, to go get groceries. I'll maybe go mail something and I'll just, I won't even think about it. I just, I just leave the house, right? And I put on my mask. And so I think it's that where it's like, just get in the habit of wearing it every morning because more often than not, you might just find yourself outside and you've applied something in the morning. Now for me with reapplication, people always ask me like, how do you reapply over your makeup? And I'm like, not well, I don't. These powders don't work very well. I did a test on my UV camera and like, it was just, it completely displaced my makeup in order to actually get any protection. I use a lot of hats. And then if I'm going to be going out, I just use a beauty blender. With, with I'm now obsessed with, Asian sunscreens now that I found a retailer that we can buy from, but it's just like, just find a way to make it go on over it. Okay. So you apply your sunscreen with a beauty blender. If I'm reapplying it over my makeup, absolutely. But if I'm applying it in the morning, I do it right before my, my makeup, if I'm going to be wearing makeup, but yeah, put it on in the morning because if you have windows, you're probably going to be exposed to UVA. Also I'm undoing a lot of damage. You know, I did tanning beds as a teen and I, didn't wear sunscreen until my mid twenties. Right. So I think it's also like, for me, I just don't want any additional knocks. I'm done. Yes. What are your favorite mineral sunscreens? Okay. My favorite mineral sunscreen. So I do love a good hybrid, like a zinc and like the homosalate blend. And I think that's a blend for zinc, sorry, CVS clear mineral zinc. So CVS has this like tub and it's like five bucks. It's pretty good. It's actually good. It's like, I think it's an SPF 50. And so I like that one. And then I love Dr. Loretta's Urban Antioxidant Plus. But again, these aren't true minerals. I would say the only true mineral that doesn't really piss me off is like Blue Lizard. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just because of price. Like, I, I, I'm sorry, but like I, I apply so much sunscreen and it's because of the damage, et cetera. But also it's like, I need a lot of sunscreen. I have, a, I also have a, a bigger face, like those sheet masks, they never really fully, <laughs> never really fully cover the face. And so when you're using like three fingers worth, like I'll be spending 50 bucks and that's going to last me like 20 days. And I'm not spending $50 every 20 days on a mineral sunscreen. That's not even an actual like match for my found, like for my foundation, because they're always tinted and they always look a little off. So if I, and so many now don't have silicone anymore, so they don't even blend well, right? They're just streaky and you end up wiping off a lot. I just tried this very clean brand. It has like 40 shades, blah. And I ended up wiping off most of it. And then I looked at it under the UV camera. I had streaks where my skin was showing underneath. And that's how I had to get it to like a good finish. And I'm like, this is just silly. Like, and I just spent $50 on it. So I will say that 11, is it 11 by Venus Williams? That one, the, the one in the tube is pretty good. Okay. I haven't tried it. I do like that one. It's, it's always sold out, but that one's pretty good. Yeah. There are probably a few more, but I've just had a couple of traumatic ones. I mean, kinship is fine, but again, it's like, I got it for $35. Somebody told me I got ripped off and I was like, I don't know. I got it off this like clean beauty website, but it was $35. And again, it's just like, I just have to wear makeup over it. And that's fine. Like, you know, but with Blue Lizard, it's actually like, it has a pretty good, decent finish. And it's, um, it's really hydrating because a lot of these, um, a lot of mineral, uh, basically zinc is a, is a mild astringent. So if you're wondering why these sunscreens are so greasy, but then your face is dry at the end of the day, it's because zinc is a mild astringent. So it's going to dry out your face. Totally. I'm, I'm happy that you've said what you've said about mineral sunscreens not blending because people always ask me like, oh, for black women, what's like a good mineral, mineral sunscreen that blends in? And I'm like, I don't think you're going to ever find one. It's like you have to, it's Fenty. You have to literally color match, but then you have to deal with the fact who uses a whole palm full of foundation? Like you use a small amount usually. 
Exactly. That's that actually be really interesting though. If Fenty came out with like a mineral sunscreen to like match all of their foundation shades, that's that's the skincare Rihanna should have come out with. I mean, that would have been incredible. But the testing on that, so you have to do um, testing for each individual shade. Oh wow! Yeah, that would. And be- she's not she's not sketchy. She's working with like LVMH. LVMH. So yeah. when you're doing LVMH, you're actually doing the testing. So I've actually caught a few brands that are sold at big retailers that didn't that did the testing on one or two shades not all of them. And you're technically, so you, you, you legally have to do them. And that's what I'm saying. Again, it's, there are regulations. They just aren't well enforced. Oh my God. Okay. Well, I honestly feel like Charlotte, I could talk to you for hours. Like there's so like, even I have stuff on this list that we haven't even gone to, which just means you need to come back on naked beauty, but whenever you want, <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a lightning round right now of beauty hacks, beauty advice. The first beauty hack that I'm going to ask you about, which I love is around the fact that if something doesn't work for your face, if skincare doesn't work, you should throw it away. And you have a great beauty hack for this. Your body. What about your feet? Your <laughs> poor, neglected feet. Use it on your foot. Yes. Give your foot a spa day. I love that. Why is sunscreen in Europe and Asia and Australia better than sunscreen in the US? Um, they've allowed for the passing of better filters. So the FDA has been sitting on new regulations from 20... Sorry, I was about to say twenty. 10, no, 2007, 2007, right? That was, is that pre, when was Obama elected? 2008? 2008, yeah. My God, that was pre-Obama. This is Bush years. Ah, <laughs> so that's, that's been, it's been a while. Um, but basically it's due to different lobbyist groups in the US. Um, we just have not been able to pass regulations on new sunscreen filters. So the two big ones are Tinisorb and Juvenal. And it's actually what was in Purito's SPF, but it wasn't at the required concentrations or they just didn't formulate it to be strong enough. But like if you go to France or if you go to you know Australia or if you go to Brazil or plenty of other countries, they have these very advanced filters that are chemical sunscreens. They just blend better. They don't sting as much. A lot of the sun, a lot of the chemical sunscreens here, like they'll burn your eyes right out. Like it feels like corneas are melting. They're superior filters, but that's the thing with skincare. We can innovate. And the problem with a lot of what's in the US is that like we just get in front of ourselves with marketing when we could be innovating. And so they haven't passed here. Let's get the EWG on that. I don't want to ever hear about a zinc sunscreen ever again. I just want to hear the EWG demanding for the passing of these regulations. Yes, I totally agree. What does animal testing or cruelty-free mean to you? Um, well, that's a long one. For me, China just passed some regulations that's going to stop a lot of the animal testing that the government was doing. And that's, that's in large part because L'Oreal was lobbying it for it. Too. And let's not forget a lot of these companies, L'Oreal based in Europe, it is illegal to do animal testing in Europe, right? It's so hard. I mean, for me, animal testing, there are still some brands, very few, but there are still some brands that actually test on animals versus humans. We're very much so let's test on some humans. Let's get some volunteers, let's pay them and let's make sure our claims pan out, right? Like I am all for testing on humans that are consenting, right? We like consenting beings. We believe in consent it do. And so for me, it's a bit... Vegan is very important, I think, because that's a commitment to not using animal byproducts. Animal byproducts are still in the skincare industry. That is absolutely a thing. But for me, cruelty-free, uh, it's, it's a tough one because I feel like a lot of brands use it and like it's very easy to be cruelty-free. It's very easy because not a lot of ingredients are tested on animals anymore. I think there still should be a ban in the US. I think there should be a ban everywhere because you never want it to crop back. You never want any bad actors. But 
I think it's good that people freaked out at L'Oreal because then it got a fire under their asses to kind of get, you know, other organizations in line. But I also think it's a little bit unfair because without them, would these other countries have adopted these new measures? And also, ultimately, China does have really rigorous testing for safety, which we don't have in the US. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword. But I, I, I don't think anybody should be testing on animals. I think you should test on humans because that's also where the product is going. Like we could talk about comedogenic and how silly that is because it was tested on rabbit ears, which was a waste. They should have just let the bunnies go. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that that's how, what they were using to say something that's comedogenic. And so silly. But yeah, animal testing, cruelty-free, I absolutely believe in it. I just think that a lot of brands take advantage of consumers not really understanding that not many brands are actually testing on animals. They're mostly testing on humans. Totally. So, but vegan is one that we should look out for. Yeah, because I, I think it's totally fair. Like, I think it's totally... And also with like all these collagen supplements, right? It's just like and collagen thrown into things. Like I completely understand. And even like some like, um, like lanolin, which is like, you know, sheep. That I, I, I totally get absolutely brands should be putting it on even gluten-free sometimes because sometimes like some things are wheat derivatives, like I get it, but it's like cruelty-free. I absolutely think you should be cruelty-free. I think every brand should be. The reality is, is that the amount of brands that are still doing testing on it. And just because you didn't do testing on it doesn't mean that like 40 years ago, the way that ingredient even entered the market wasn't tested on animals. Like you see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's really hard to define. And so a lot of these brands, it's pay to play to get the seal. So totally makes sense. Okay. What are your top three skincare products right now? I mean, I almost just dropped the name of our, of our serum, but I have been using it religiously for almost a year now. Um, we did one of the first clinical studies on cannabinoids. Um, and that's all Joyce. We're really excited. Um, so that product is definitely on, I, I use it every morning and every night. When is it coming out? Hopefully in a month. And yeah, I can't talk about cannabinoids and CBD without, especially because weed is now being legalized in New York. And I want to make like, they better expunge every record, give money. They're saying 47% of tax revenues. I don't necessarily think that CBD should be excluded from that conversation because I feel like CBD uses the cachet of weed. And like when we're talking about who built that culture and that cachet, it's certainly not white people. So I think that, you know, reparations need to be made. So just, I always need to say that whenever I talk about CBD. So that's one product. I will say this sunscreen is now making it into my rotation, the Biore water, Watery Essence. I'm testing out a bunch of different Korean and Japanese sunscreens. So I'm very excited about that. And then for me, like face creams, like face lotions are like probably some of my favorite things. Um, but I have a lot of different face creams that I love. Like I've been recently trying the Tolis face cream. I love that face cream. Um, I love SkinCeuticals Triple Lipid. I talk about it all the time. It's really expensive though. So I don't buy it very often. And yeah, Vaseline. Love it. Any like top skincare hacks you can give our audience? Sleep. Yes. Sleep and, and also don't tan and drink water and don't smoke. I think that we get so focused on products, but if you don't get the habits down... Absolutely. What's the biggest beauty mistake you've made looking back? Using essential oils directly on my skin. That was a big Yikes. One. No carrier And even trying, even trying to do carrier oils, even trying to do carrier oils, because then I learned about carrier oils. But the thing is my skin just doesn't react well to certain essential oils. And I just didn't, I just didn't know any better. It's fine on my body, but my face just gets a little, a little rashy. So that was a big mistake. But no, I literally put lavender directly on my face and it was carnage. But I was told it would purge all the toxins from my skin. And I was, it's a rash. It's a rash, babe. Yes. 
as a white woman who has a big platform in the beauty industry, what do you do to kind of uplift and amplify people of color with your platform? I mean, I think that the easiest thing to do is to just repost and also give credit where it's due, right? Like if I say something where I'm like, I know this is coming from somebody else, you have to give credit to where that comes from. Like I saw a lot of people starting to adopt like the 60 second face wash rule. And it's like, that clearly comes from like LA Beautyologist, right? So it's like, I think those kinds of things where, or it's like, you know, I was testing sunscreens and talking about white cast. And I was like, fuck this. I'm just going to repost dermatologists and like black creators that are t- like, this is so much easier. And like, I just made a guide. I'm like, here, just follow these people because why are you asking me about white cast? I am Casper. Like, this is not, this is not the place to come. Um, and then I think also just like, for me, just like particularly just, especially working in cannabis and seeing how little was being done by the government to make reparations for the war on drugs. That was a very targeted attack. It's very clear. It's very racist money. You got to give money also to organizations. So, you know, that if, whether that be for due, whether that be, you know, on my personal, like my personal donations, and then just generally, I think just being very vocal about what's happening in different communities. Like I live in New York and it is very scary for Asian, for Asian Americans right now. The fact that we even have to say Asian Americans, like <laughs> just American, you know, and I think being really vocal about that, promoting different things, like I'm doing, um, intervention training on, the seventh. And like, I, um, I learned about it from kind of Steven. So Steven Allen co on Instagram. And it's like sharing that, promoting that, making sure that people can have the tools to learn because, you know, a year ago when I was talking about how much I hated Trump and like racism, cause I'm very, very vocal about that. People were like, it doesn't exist. And I feel like we're having less of those conversations now. And I'm like, that's progress. And it's just constantly being loud as fuck. And that's my brand. <laughs> that is definitely Parlay. Parlay. Oh my God. The word. Parler is the French word to speak. We, we spoke about this earlier, but yeah. <laughs> I love it. Final question. I ask all of my guests this question. When do you feel most beautiful? When I wake up in the morning. like, And after I do that first routine and I do my, my microcurrent and I have my coffee, which definitely alters my perception. Like I feel great. Like I feel juicy and dewy and glowy. And I think that I'm wearing makeup now, but during the pandemic, I've worn, I've started to wear a lot less makeup and it's like, it actually made me like my face a lot more. So yeah, that was, that was cool. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. I will link to all of the places. I mean, I feel like my audience is following you already. I'm like 99% sure they are. But for the few of you, I'm sure maybe there are like a couple hundred of you that aren't. Definitely go and follow Charlotte. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom with all of us. Thank you so much. I I hope I get to come back. Yes, you know, you need to come back. And (laughs) people DM me and DM Charlotte if you want her to come back. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.